So any question of balance between, uh, in, in a broader question within uh, in philosophy, is always going to be the challenge of, well, how, how does one ever determine when a balance is reached? A balance are areas of degrees, and, and the truth be told is you're always going to be erring on one side or the other. And from our point of view, we need to sort of have this idea that there's got to be effort, that we've got to try our best, and we can't just say Hashem will provide. But on the flip side, we also have to have the perspective that, uh, that if we think that it's our efforts and our efforts alone that are going to allow us to succeed in any particular area of life, so we are going to be very, uh, very much mistaken. So, it's a difference between being, let's call it, being naive and being uh, overly, uh, uh, so naive is you believe too much in Hashem, and overly de- independent and sort of denying the aspects of Hashem at all. So, where this question comes up <coughs> within uh, the Torah is very much in the story of the spies. So just we have left Egypt, we've got in the Torah, we are on the verge of entering the land of Israel. And the Pasha of Pasha Shlach starts and says, Shlach Hashem send for yourself spies that they can go tour out the land of Canaan that I'm going to give you. And they go out, they come back and they give a negative response. And uh, people go uh, get very depressed and as a result, they don't go into Israel, they have to start wandering around the desert for 40 years. So the question that a lot of you know the commentaries talk about it was was sending what firstly what was the goal of sending the spies? So Simonet says La Tour et Aretz to go tour out the land. Was it a reconnaissance mission in order to seek out the vulnerabilities of the land? How are we going to conquer this land? Is it to see um, how powerful and uh, how how you know how powerful the inhabitants there? What their fortifications are like? What what are their soldiers like? Etc. And that's where the question comes. So hold on a second. Hashem says to you, He's going to take, take you into the land of Israel. He's going to protect you. So why are you sending in soldiers? Why do you need reconnaissance? So this becomes the, the question. Is that if Hashem says we're going to get into the land of Israel and we're going to conquer it and, we, and no one's going to be able to stand in front of us. So what do I need to do? Any preparation? Just go in. We'll go in and whatever we find, we'll, we'll be able to take care of it. We've got a, a divine promise. Yet on the flip side, we see that... Uh, the Pasha starts, Shlach Lachan Hashem, send for yourself spies, or send for yourself people to, to check out the land. So that's a, a question of why exactly they went, <laughs> is a question that's debated in Pasha Shlach. But more importantly for the purposes of this evening, is the way that Rashi explains how the process went down. Meaning, before we send spies, before Moshe sent spies, or before Hashem told Moshe to send spies, what happened? Because it's not clear. It just says that Hashem says to Moshe, send spies. But in Dvarim, so in Sefer Dvarim, we now have a um, Moshe recalling what took place in Mid- at that time. And this is our first source over here in Dvarim 122. It says, And all of you approached me at that time. And you said, let us send men ahead of us. And they should seek out or search out the land. And they will return for us uh, the word. How we should go up. And, and what exactly, what are the cities we should conquer? So even though in Pashat Shlach, in the say, when the story happens in real time, it's not clear why we send in them. When Moshe recalls the story in Sefer Dvarim, he says that 
you came to me and said, let us send people, they should seek out, the word chofer means to dig, but it's really to do a reconnaissance on the land, something that's not clear in our Pasha. So it seems that what the people were asking for and what Hashem commanded them to do were a bit different. What's interesting is a little bit later, we do have the people approach Moshe and ask for something on a previous occasion. Now, even though it comes late in Dvarim, it happens earlier in the Chumash. And that is immediately after we get the Ten Commandments uh, in Parshat Yitro. So this is in the beginning, in the middle of Shemot. So we get the Ten Commandments and the, the Jewish people come to Moshe and say, Hashem, we, we can't hear from Hashem, it's too frightening. You go speak to God and we will just listen. So this is, Moshe recalls this and says, And when you heard the, <coughs> the voice of Hashem from the darkness, and the mountain was aflame in fire, and you approached me. So if you see, oh, just lost there. Exact same language there. Let me just get my little pen here. It says, Exactly as it says over here. So, but you approach me, So the difference between the two is in the one place, it says, and with regards to the spot, it says, All of you approach me. And when it comes to, after speaking to Hashem, it says, you approach me, the leaders of your tribes and the elders, is a very different kind of approach. Who approached Moshe at what? So Rashi picks up on this point and says as follows. He says as follows. So this is the Rashi that's going on the first statement of the spies. It says, ye, and ye approach me, and you all approach me. All of you in a crowd. But further on, it states, ye approached me, even all the heads of your tribes. And your elders and said, Behold, shown us his glory, etc. It says that approach with regards to Mount Sinai, that was a fitting approach. Young people showing respect to the elders, letting them precede them, and the elders showing respect to the heads of the tribes that should precede them. Meaning, when after Mount Sinai, you wanted something from Hashem, so you went and you raised the issue with your local member, and your local member took it up to the state leader, and the state leader took it up to the federal leader, and they took it up to the prime minister. That's how it went about. But here, with the spies, it says, you approach me, all of you in a crowd, young pushing aside the elders, the elders pushing aside the heads. It was just a mob. Everyone came to and says, so this Rav Desla, who we're going to see shortly, <coughs> was a, a 20, early 20th century, um, uh, who's a, what's called a mashkiach. A mashkiach is the person in the yeshiva who looks after the spiritual well-being of the boys. It's like, a, in many ways, it's like the school psychologist, school counselor, but is really to help the boys work on their spiritual development. So he said that's the difference. You can always tell the difference between whether this is faith, whether it's faith over effort or effort over faith is the hysteria. The hysteria that was led to the sending of the spies shows that the intent was that they, they were panicked. And they panicked and said, if we don't do it, it won't get done. And the stable state of mind was one that it should have been organized and proper. If they, if they believed that Hashem would, you know, would allow them to succeed in the battle, so what would have happened is they would have gone in in a proper order, would have gone in slowly. And that's the difference. So 
what Rav Dessa is going to bring over here, and we're going to talk about this, uh, you know, in a bit more length now, is that you can tell for yourself where you're at by where is your, um, where are your nerves? If your nerves are in the place that you feel that if I don't do it, it won't get done. So the problem is you're putting too much emphasis on your own efforts and not enough emphasis on trust in Hashem. If on the other hand is that you sit back and you are completely um, resolved to the fact that Hashem will provide. So that's what we're going to talk about now. So that is uh, part A. Part B, and uh, this is based on a, an article out of a book. So this is Rav Desla. It is I cannot recommend it more. It is a book called Strife for Truth. It is the English translation of selected letters that he wrote called Mikhtab Liyahu. It was one of the most... It was one of the first books I read in Jewish philosophy, and it and it um, it molded me in so many different ways. My Jewish thought. It is not. It is definitely not the universal um, and the only position on Jewish philosophy, but it is uh, is very well respected, and I thought I think very well articulated. So he he determines that there are five levels of man's interaction with nature. Because this is at the end of the day what it is. is that there's the natural world where we have to live by its rules. And that means we've got to, you know, we've got to, we've got to follow the natural order of things. And there's Hashem operating in the world. So this idea of that, the faith is that Hashem is operating everything. And the, uh, let's say the natural world is the fact that nature operates everything and Hashem doesn't. So the, the extremes of those are going to be the fact that um, Hashem is completely in charge of everything. And the other extreme is that there is no God. Or that God is not involved with the world. So Rav Desla wants to bring five different levels. And we will all most probably be around levels four or five. But look at the way he explains it. And he brings a number of Talmudic explanations for it. So number one is this is no, there is no nature. So if you've seen the movie The, Na- the Matrix. So this is uh, Rav Desla's number one. There is no nature. So it's not a matter that God is nature, is that there is no nature. Everything is miracle. So there's, there's a famous Talmudic statement, and uh, I brought it over here. It says as follows. So this is a rabbi named Rabbi Hanani Mendoza. One day he saw his daughter, one Erev Shabbat, his daughter was very distressed. She said, I went to the shops to buy a jar of oil to light the Shabbos candles, and they accidentally gave me a jar of, of vinegar. And I used it to light the candles for Shabbat, and being vinegar, it didn't light. So Rachanani Bandosa said, What's the problem? He says, he says, why does, why does oil light? He says, you think it lights because there's uh, certain chemicals in it that allow it to light. No, it lights because Hashem says it should light. That's why it lights. Ah, there might be a natural formulation that works through it. But at the end of the day, if Hashem says oil light, Hashem can say vinegar should light. And so what happens? So he said, so what happened? She went and lit the vinegar and ah, the vinegar lit. Now, to appreciate the point that uh, Rav Des is bringing through this Gemara, is not saying that Hashem did a miracle for Hanina Bandosa that he had. This is not the Hanukkah story. 
that it was oil that was supposed to last one day and it lasted eight days. That's not what's happening here. He's saying that the oil, the vinegar burnt. Why the vinegar burnt? Was it a miracle? It wasn't a miracle. Is that understand that vinegar burning is the same as oil burning. They burn because Hashem says so. That's what happens. If Hashem wants it to happen, it will happen. It doesn't matter the mechanics behind it. And only people who can't see that Hashem, that, the, that nature doesn't exist. It is all Hashem. Every single thing that happens is Hashem. So if you don't see that, so then, uh, then, you, then you're looking for miracles. But that is the highest level. So that's level one. one. Level number two is the person who sees nature as a test. Meaning, he understands that realistically Hashem is the one who, you know, controls everything and everything's from Hashem. Intellectually, he gets that. But emotionally, he, he, he finds it a bit difficult. So, he, he, he acts in the natural world. Even though intellectually he knows Hashem's behind it. So, this medicine will make me better because of the chemicals in it. I know it's really Hashem, but, but I'll, I'll take the medicine as well. Whereas the highest level says, the medicine is medicine. doesn't matter what I take. I can take any tablet and I'll get better because I know Hashem runs the world. So, just for, needless to say, Hanani bin Dosas don't exist in the world. They don't exist. It's, it's an ideal. And it's how we should be looking to look at the world. The second guy is a guy who theoretically could exist in the world. Is an individual who walks around and lives in the world, but is very much of the opinion that, um, that, that Hashem is running it. And but nature sort of, uh, he sort of has a, has a, uh, it's not, conv- I'm not convinced in my heart. I'm convinced in my head. That's, um, that's number two. Okay. Number three, this is that the individual sees nature as a tool, meaning that Hashem wants to operate with us. And sometimes Hashem will use nature in order to communicate or to allow something to happen. Meaning, so where guy number one, the top level is that nature doesn't exist. Guy number two is that in principle, nature doesn't exist, but in practice, I live like it does. Number three is that Hashem and nature are sort of independent of one another. Nature is a tool in Hashem's, uh, you know, toolkit that allows. So when Hashem wants something to happen, He will make the wind blow, as it says in the Chumash. Or He will bring the frogs, or He will uh, split the sea. All of that is that the miracles are there. Every time I see the miracle, it reminds me that Hashem, that, that Hashem runs the world. And I say, oh, you know, it's amazing. And Hashem runs the world because every now and again, Hashem sends us reminders. So if, dare I say that, that we, we, some of us would be there, some of us are going to be low But that <coughs> nature is sort of independent, but it's, it's Hashem's way of communicating with us. So Hashem uses, so Hashem is outside nature. Or Hashem is operating through nature. Now, what we don't say, just parenthetically, is the idea that Hashem is nature. We say that nature is Hashem, but not Hashem is nature. Hashem doesn't operate through nature. That's not what we say. Is that Hashem is Hashem, and nature is Hashem. Okay, so that is level number three. Level number four is individual who they don't notice miracles. So miracles just come and they go. So the first guy, the second guy is saying, sunrise is a miracle, sunset is a miracle, 
Babies being born are miracles. Everything is a miracle. It's a way Hashem operates. He uses this thing called nature. That's level number three. Level number four is a person who says, nature's nature, but consistently says, Bezrat Hashem, you know, you're coming to shul this weekend, Bezrat Hashem with Hashem's self, but doesn't believe it. He talks about it, is that nature is completely independent and I'll live my life completely independent of nature. I know that there's God and I know that God's in the world. But the two are sort of independent of one another. So that is the individual. So I gave this as an analogy the other day. Is that we often, most of us do mitzvot and most of us believe in Hashem. But we don't necessarily do mitzvot because we believe in Hashem. They usually are completely unconnected. So that's the same thing over here. A guy believes, do you believe that Hashem will uh, grant you blessings in your work? Absolutely I do. But I'll work as if Hashem doesn't. And that's, that's the, the so he believes in Hashem, but he doesn't sort of, um, he, he doesn't uh, have it to the degree that he, that, he, that he lives by it. And finally is the fifth level. And this is, we said the other extreme, is the person says, which is a verse that we read in Sefer Dvarim, which says that a person goes and says, my strength and my might allowed me this achievement. I did it. The reason I succeeded is because I am a successful individual. I worked hard. I've, I've got gifts and I, I use them and, I, and that's why I'm successful. So that is the person who's 100% on Hishtadlut. So those two extremes. So guy, level number one, just to go back, is the person who lives completely in the world of Bitachon. Bitachon is all trust. Hashem is everywhere. Hashem is everything. I don't take a breath without a Hashem being involved with it. Nothing. Electricity. Every single thing in the world, every atom is willed into being by Hashem. And there is no difference between regular life and miracle. It's all Hashem. Hashem is every single second. And the other extreme is Hashem is nowhere to be seen. It is me. It is completely me. Me and my efforts. Okay. So those are the, those are the five levels that Rav Desler talks about. For those who came a little bit later, this is the book that I'm quoting from called Strive for Truth. Um, Rav, uh, Rabbi Kiva Tetz wrote a book where he sort of took this Rav Desla book and sort of worded it slightly differently but brought the same ideas down called World Mask which we do have in the library if you would like to borrow both of these books we have in the library if you'd like to borrow them but um, so what I'd like to show now which is going to be so what does a person do so I'm I'm man I'm probably somewhere between uh, three and four I imagine actually probably between four and five is that um I like to say three and four. I believe in, you know, I see miracles, but the miracles are every now and again. And, and uh, I see Hashem in the world. But most of my life, I live um, at least on a practical level, consciously believing that Hashem is behind it. But on a practical level, um, I, I believe that it's because of my efforts. So how does one move from one degree to another? So how does one become a believer? So is it... So what it would sound like is that what I need to do is withdraw from worldly efforts. So if I think I want to I earn, um, I need to earn X amount to, to make a living. So if I really believe that Hashem is going to allow me to earn that amount regardless, what I do, what I need to do is work less and less and less. And Hashem will provide me the, the amounts regardless. So that seems to be, you know, the model. But I'd like to quote a, a phenomenal Medrash. The English is not a full translation, yeah? so I'm going to explain the Medrash out. But it is a, a phenomenal Medrash. 
So that's a Midrash that says, Arba Melachim Hayu. There were, there were four kings. What one of the kings asked, the other king did not. These are four kings in the Tanakh. So these are four kings that we read about in the book of Kings and the book of Samuel. So King David, King Asa, Yehoshaphat, and Cheskiel. These are all kings of the tribe of Yehuda. <coughs> David Amar. So what did David said? Edof oevai v'asigem. I will pursue my enemies and I will catch them and I will kill them. That is what David Amar said. So Hashem says to him, no problem, I will allow you to do so. Ahmad Asa, so the next king Asa said, says, I don't have the koach, I don't have the strength to actually kill them. So what I'll do is I'll chase after them and you strike them down, Hashem. So Hashem says, fine, I will do that. And he quotes a verse to prove it. Um, then he goes, Ahmad Yehoshaphat. So Yehoshaphat says, Ani ein bikoch lo lo arog v'lo lerdof. So, so Yehoshaphat says, I don't have the strength not to pursue, not to kill, not to pursue. Ela ani omesh shira v'atahose. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to daven or not. I'm going to sit up, I'm going to say, Tihilim, and you take care of my enemies. Amalo akarish baruchu ani ose. So that's exactly what I would do. Finally, Amar Cheskiyahu va'Amar. So finally, King Cheskiyahu says, "Ain bi koach lo la'rog, lo lerdof, lo lo marshira." I don't have the ability to fight. I don't have the ability to pursue. I don't have the ability to even sit in davar or not. Rather, Ani Yashena mitativa ta'ose. I'm going to go to sleep, and you take care of my enemies. Amar lo'karish baruchu aniyose, and that's what happened. So these are four stories that are told in the Tanakh. Um, it's a little bit like the four sons because they're not really presented in this way. They're just stories that happen. So, for example, Yechezkiyahu is a story, just to give you a little bit of Tanakhic background, that um, the, there was a, an Assyrian king, Sancheriv, came and he's the one who exiled the ten tribes. So all the ten tribes have been exiled and now he set a siege on Jerusalem. And... Cheskiyahu, there's, there's starvation, absolute deprivation in the city of Jerusalem. And uh, they called the prophet and the prophet said, don't worry, but tomorrow every, everyone's starving now, but tomorrow you're going to be able to, you know, there's going to be such an abundance of food, you know, it's, it's, you're not going to be able to even sell it, there's going to be so much food. So Cheskiyahu goes to sleep. And the story goes that uh, something happened in the middle of the night, a plague went through and wiped out the entire of Sancheriv's army. And we read about this on Pasha Tazri Matsura, it's the Haftorah of the day. And uh, that's what happened to Cheskiyahu. So Cheskiyahu didn't fight, he didn't pursue, he didn't, uh, he didn't even dive in, he just went to sleep and Hashem took care of it. So Rav Desa looks at this story and says, who's the king on the highest level? So if you look at what we, we've said previously, it says that previously, the, the idea of worldly involvement, that if I'm convinced that Hashem runs the world, so therefore I don't need to do anything because Hashem runs the world. So what difference? I can burn vinegar, I can burn oil, it all works exactly the same. So it's sounds like Cheskiah, who's the, the king that's on the highest level because he literally sits back and relaxes and Hashem fights the battle for him. So it says Rav Desla, the complete opposite. 
because the pious individual is the one who doesn't want Hashem. Yes, Hashem runs the world, no doubt in my mind. But I need to ensure that my involvement in the world doesn't cloud my vision of the fact that Hashem still runs it. I've been put in this world to do activity and I should not be perceived as an individual who Hashem does miracles for, so to speak. So I'm going to do work. I'm going to do as much hard work as possible, but my mind will always be in the level that this is all because of Hashem. It is, it is level number one. So says Rav Desla, David Amelech was on such a high level that he could go, he could run, pursue the enemy, he could strike down the enemy, and for not one second does he think that that he's the one, because he's such a great soldier, because he's such a mighty warrior, that is why he won the battles. You know why he won the battles? Because he was completely had faith in Hashem. So when you have faith in Hashem, then what you need to do now is get re-involved with the world and keep the faith in Hashem. So he started the process. So, so I'm a, a, a heretic who believes that everything happens so only because I do it. What I need to do is work less and less and less and less and less until I get to the point that I realize that everything comes from Hashem. And then once I'm there, I need to go back into my 9 to 5, work as hard as I can because now I'm aware that everything happens because of Hashem. So, you, so the person who's the heretic and the person who's the believer practically look exactly the same. They are both working. Both David and Melech and uh, the, the opposite of David and Melech are both on the battlefield, swinging their swords around, saying that if, if we don't win this battle, it won't get won. The difference between David and Melech is he knows that every time he swings his axe or his sword, it is Hashem that is allowing him victory or defeat. And the other guy says, it is me allowing me victory or defeat. So in the Medrash, it is, it is King Cheskiyahu who is the one of the least amount of faith. Because he says, if I go out and pursue them, I will say, I won it. If I just, and if I fight them, if I just pursue them, I'll say it was my pursuit. If I sit in Daven or not, I'll say it was my tefillot. It was my prayers that succeeded, allowed us to succeed in battle. So therefore, I need to do nothing. I need to completely withdraw from the world. Because then I will be cognizant of the fact that it was in fact Hashem who, who, who did everything. And that's the way Rav Desla understands it. It's, it's an incredibly profound because what it, what it tells us is the goal is not to not be involved in the world. The goal isn't to not have hishtadlut, not have effort. It's to say that my effort is there because out of a form of humility and a form of modesty, I want to work in a way that it looks like it's me, but it's not me. It is all Hashem. Everything comes from Hashem. And that's where, that is the bitachon hishtadlut balance, is the ability to be completely aware that nothing I do comes from me. Nothing I do comes from me. And my effort is there just purely of the fact that Hashem wants us to work. Sheshit yamin tavod, for six days you shall work, but you should do all your efforts. But the purpose of it, in truth, is not that uh, your efforts are the things that are bringing you the success. It is only BP Hashem. So that was uh, a few approaches from uh, this predominantly from Abdesla, but uh, it is a quite a revolutionary way of thinking about it the first time you hear it. Hope it resonated with you. If it didn't resonate, it's okay. It's a different way of thinking about these things. Anyway, everybody, hope you have a pleasant evening. If any questions, by all means, unmute yourself.